Buchanan. I might read it better from up there than I will here. Stand back. I'm going to do quite a bit of reading this morning because this is a Christmas story. I need a mic. That's what I need. We have to start out understanding that the Bible is the Word of God. Amen. It is infallible. It is what it is. It says what it says. It means what it means. And a lot of times we'll take and we'll look and say, well, Luke was saying this or Paul was saying this. Yeah, they were the fellows with the ink pens in their hands, but the words that they put down was straight from God. And that's how we have to take it. If we take it any other way, then our theology gets off, and that's what the devil wants. That's what he did in the Garden of Eden, right? Took what God had to say. Tweaked it a little bit, sounded good to man, centered it into the world, and all of us needed the Savior, Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? So we're going to start off in, in Luke 1, and I'm not going to read all of this, I'm not going to read about John the Baptist, but we're going, to, we're going to move around a bit. So we're going to start with Luke 1 and 1. Inasmuch as many have taken in hand to set in order a narrative of those things which have been fulfilled among, among us, just as those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word delivered them to us, it seemed good to me also, having had perfect understanding of all things from the very first, to write to you an orderly account, most excellent Theophilus. That you, now pay attention to this one. That you may know the certainty of those things in which you were instructed. This is so that we may know. So the world will tell us that what we're doing is we're, we're uh, living in a fantasy land. The world will tell us that this is just another fantasy story. But it's not. This is real. Go down to verse 26. Now in the sixth month, and, and Bonnie read this last, didn't she do good? Y'all encourage her because she was scared to death to get up. They ain't here this morning. I was going to get her this morning too. But, but uh, when you see her, encourage her. She did a really good job. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin. Everybody say virgin. Does everybody know what that means? She ain't never been with a dude. She's never been with a man. So he sent Gabriel to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph. Now betrothed is kind of like what we look at as engaged. You date for a bit, that's why we do it in this society. And, in our, and then if you decide that, well, you know, I want to spend some time with this person maybe the rest of my life, then you go to the engagement part. They give a ring and now you're true to this person. You're not yet married, but you're true to this person. But in this, in this case, she was betrothed to him. And for a year, this was her man. This was her husband. They just hadn't consummated the marriage yet. They hadn't gone to the, the hoopah, you know, the little screen thingy they go under and they step on and break the glass and all the, 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 the Hebrew tradition. That is kind of closing the deal on it. But once the betrothal is done, that's, that's where it is. And so she was betrothed to Joseph, so it's not like you just back out. Of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. 
And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. How would you like to hear that, ladies? Well, he says it to you every day. If you don't hear him, you need to listen harder because you are blessed and highly favored. You're not Mary, but he loves you a lot. Don't ever forget that. doesn't matter what the world throws at you. You know your husband, and I'm a husband, so I know how they can be sometimes. God loves you. And you are highly favored. You're everything to him. But when she saw him, she, she was troubled at, at his, his saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He, shall be, he will be great. And he will be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. Then Mary said to the angel, how can this be since I do not know a man? She's saying, I've never been with a man. How can I be pregnant? She's not understanding it. And the angel answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also that Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Now indeed, Elizabeth, her relative, was also conceived a son in her old age, and this was now in her sixth month for her who was called barren. For with God, nothing will be impossible. You guys get that? My boy is homesick right now, and I believe that our prayers with God, nothing is impossible. I could go home and he could be eating everything in the house. <laughs> I believe that. Or I wouldn't be standing here. I believe that. I believe that everything, Sister D, I believe you can go back to work soon because you're hoof, you're, you're hoof. <laughs> oh boy, I'm glad it's a small crowd. Your foot will be healed. Sorry, forgive me, please. We had a late night. But with God, there's nothing that's impossible. Nothing. And that is just one of the most amazing things to me. With God, nothing is impossible. And he's proven it here by the birth of Jesus. She'd never been with a man, but yet she gets pregnant. Because he said so. And then Mary said, Behold, the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. I want to stop right there just for a minute. We're going to go to chapter 2 here in a minute. You see, whenever we let Jesus into our lives, we're basically saying what Mary said. I'm your servant. Whatever you want, I'm there. Because you know what? If he wants it for you, he will equip you for it. He'll make the way, even when it don't seem like there's a way. Sometimes we walk on some paths where it just doesn't make sense. We've been taught in our lives to rationalize and think, think things through. Folks, that's the way the societies of the past thought and did business, and they ain't no more. You remember Greece a couple years ago, it's totally broke. But they quit being a world power a long time ago. But what do we get from the Greeks? Philosophy. 
And though what they come up with, and I'm, I'm thinking about getting something started here maybe at the first of the year along these lines, that is how most of us think. Why? Because that philosophy and that way of doing things has slipped in to our way of thinking, and we try to intermingle it with Christianity. We don't mean to, but just by how we're raised, we have to rationalize everything. When you have to rationalize everything, if you have to figure out the way, then you don't depend on God when something seems impossible. Amen? Then we stop listening to prayer and when we're praying and we stop listening to the Lord when he tells us, well, we're going to go do this, we're going to head down this path. You're like, it's impossible, it can't happen. Well, God says, but I just said we're going to do it. So if God says it, it's going to happen. This is one of the best examples. This lady gets pregnant, this young lady. Now, there are those that will argue how old she was. And that, you know, that's just something from the pit of hell. Does it really matter? She was a virgin. She could have been 50. It still wouldn't have mattered. But they'll fight over she was 12, she was 13, she was 14. I guess it's good to know, I guess. Maybe, I don't know. I haven't gone there in my faith yet. It doesn't matter. I just know Jesus was born of a virgin and God put him there. It's all that matters to me. So if she was 13, 14, or 15, I, it doesn't really matter to me but you'll find people that will just get on that and harp on it and talk for days. That's a rabbit trail the devil wants you on. That's right. Oh, that's, that's good. Now let's go to chapter 2, verse 1. And it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This census first took place with Quirinius, while Quirinius was governing Syria. So all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee, out of the city of Nazareth, into Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was the, of the house and the lineage of David. Remember what the angel told Mary? Son of David. To be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. So it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. She was about to have the baby. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over the flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. Now, who is Jesus for? There ain't nobody that he can't save. It ain't mine and your job to say who gets Jesus and who don't. Our job is to give the good news, let the Holy Ghost do his work. He'll clean them up. No matter how dirty they are, no matter where they've been, he'll clean them up. No matter where you've been, he'll clean you up. It's to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. What a statement that is, a Savior. There was no other way that we could be reconciled to God except through Jesus. Amen? There is no other way. There are religions, there is philosophy going around, even in some Christian circles, that there's a lot of different ways. There is no other way except for Jesus. 
At the end of his life, he was in the garden. And when he was in the garden, he asked the Father, if there is another way, let this cup pass from me. There was no other way. So guess what Jesus did? He showed us what it's like to be a man. He got himself up by his bootstraps, so to speak, and he went and done what had to be done. Thank God for that. Amen. Let's give him some praise. In his flesh, he didn't want to walk on that road because he knew what it was going to be like. But in his spirit, he said, Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done, Father. Now, men and ladies, that's how we are to be every day in our lives. Jesus was an example for us. You see, this is a good story. Christmas is a great time. The best part of the story is we're going to talk about it in about three months when he was crucified and resurrected. You can't leave that part out. That's the whole, uh, everything. That is the completion of it. It is finished. Yeah, I done made the way. And nothing else needs to be done. Nothing else can be done. And don't let that kind of thinking, stinking thinking get in your head. Amen. I got to back up again. I looked away and now my eyes unfocused. And this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes lying in a manger. If you don't know what a manger is, it's a hay trough. Or the animal slobber where they eat out of. And those swaddling cloths, have you ever thought about that? I've been thinking about that a lot. I, you know, you see the nativity scenes of baby Jesus is wrapped up, uh, wrapped up nice and tight like we do our babies when we come home from the hospital. I don't see that. Now, this is speculation. You've got your own picture and let the Lord work in you. I picture a barn. It's got all kinds of dirty rags laying around that you use for this, that, or the other thing. And the other thing, you know what that might be. You're in a barn. She had to keep her baby warm. Me and Pete talked about that, and she had pictured in her mind Mary used her headscarf. That's yeah, good. It works. But it was cloths. I picture strips of dirty rags. Our Lord, as a baby, when he was first in this world, I think was wrapped up in dirty rags in a barn, in a hay trough. The king. Some of us are wearing purple this morning, sign of royalty. But the king of kings, there's no other king in this world ever been, ever going to be that's like him. The king of kings, born in a barn, wrapped up in dirty rags, just so mama could keep him warm. She had a task to do, and that task was to take care of her son, who, by the way, it's the Savior of the world. What a task. All you mamas and all you're going to be mamas someday, when you have babies, you have a huge responsibility, just like Mary had. Our job is to teach our kids the way of the Lord. Teach them to know who he is. Teach them to go to the place of receiving him for salvation. To teach them the ways that they are to go so that when they are old, they won't depart from them. So that if they do stray away, they know how to get back. That is our job because our kids have been entrusted to us. Amen? That's our job, and that's what Mary's job was, and she did the best she could with what she had. That's the picture I have. Even though God wasn't going to let nothing happen to him. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts 
praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. So it was when the angels had gone away from them unto heaven that the shepherds said to one another, Let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph with the babe lying in a manger. And now when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all those that heard it marveled at those things which were told to them by the shepherds. But Mary kept these things and pondered them in her. He goes on to say that on the eighth day, it's when he was circumcised as according to the tradition, and that's when he was named Jesus, just as the angel said. But it says here that we're going to have peace. Let me ask you today, do we got peace? No, it's a serious question. I mean, have you ever thought, do we have peace? I mean, there was people blown up in Berlin this week or got run over in Berlin by a terrorist. You heard me preach the other week about the terrorist attacks, how many there was this past year up until the day that I had done the research. Does it sound like peace? Doesn't sound like peace to me. You remember me talking earlier this month about People fighting over 50-cent washcloths, it was regularly 75 cents. You know, they're getting in fights over them on Black Friday. Does that sound like peace? Sounds like greed. It's very much greed. That's exactly what it is. A lot of kids got up this morning and opened up presents because they got something nobody else has got, or maybe 10 other kids didn't get it in the class because the stores held them back. Does that sound like peace? But he said he was bringing peace. Help me to understand that. As a matter of fact, in the word, just before he went to the cross, what did he say? There was going to be wars and rumors of wars. Wars and rumors of wars. That don't sound like peace. What was he talking about? What was God telling us in this message here that he's bringing peace? You see, not everybody gets Jesus. Not everybody wants Jesus. You see, for the world, there's not even peace going on. Everybody's fighting and scratching for everything they have. Countries are trying to overcome other countries because of the stuff they got. But I think he's talking about individual peace. You see, I know all this stuff is going on in the world, and I, you know, I'm not going to say, I'm, let me be, I'm going to be careful how I say this. I don't want it to sound wrong, but it's going to, so try to understand. I don't mean for it to sound wrong. I don't care. Terrorists walk in here today, they shoot me, and I'm going to heaven. And I'm ready, are you? Now, I want to stick around if the Lord wants me to, and I want to watch my babies grow up and see what they're going to become, and, 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 you know, play with the grandkids and send them home when they're sick and crying so that, you know. But I'm looking forward to that. But I'm also looking forward to the day that I get to go to heaven. To the day that there's going to be peace for eternity. But while we're here, we get to have that peace. 
You see, not everybody has that. Most of the world don't want Jesus. Most of the world don't want to have that kind of peace. Have you ever met somebody they just like to argue? And the minute you agree with them, they're off somewhere else arguing about something else. Some people just don't want peace. The Bible says as much as possible in you, live peaceably with all men. As much as possible in you, Danny, not everybody's going to get it. But you do your part. You want to fight? I'm not fighting. You go ahead and fight. Fight among yourself. But I want peace. You do as much as you can, but not everybody's going to receive that. Not everybody wants to have peace. Blessed are the peacemakers. Mm. But that's what he was talking about. You see, whenever I got saved, there was a peace that came in me, and guess what? It wasn't in every aspect of my life. There were some things that would come in, and it caused me to lose my peace. It caused me to lose my joy. But see, Jesus loves you, and whenever he comes inside of us, when we let him be Lord of our life, that's when peace happens. And so it doesn't matter what's going on, we can have peace. So today we got peace if we want it. Because he says, I give you my peace. And it surpasses all understanding. Nobody gets it. Not everybody gets it. It's hard to understand. Well, guess what? It was hard to understand this. We have to take this story by faith. And I believe it. How about you? Amen? I believe it. And that gives me great peace. But you notice there wasn't any room for him in the end. You see, I think a lot of times we don't have peace because we don't have room for Jesus. They didn't have room for him. The Savior of the world is about to be born. The King of kings and the Lord of lords is going to be born. And we ain't got room for you. Go out in the barn. Stay with the donkeys. We don't want you here. We can't use you here. And I think a lot of times we come up on that same kind of thing in our lives. People that we share Jesus with, they don't want Jesus. Because they understand when Jesus comes into your heart, there's going to be some change happening. And people don't like change. Can I get an amen? When Jesus comes into your life, there's going to be change. And it's happening until the day you depart from this place. Are we good with that? You don't reach some pinnacle and say, okay, now I'm ready. That doesn't happen. Because we are growing. He is constantly growing us. He's constantly molding us. He is the potter. We are the clay. And he's continually molding us. If you don't think I'm telling you the truth, is there something in your life right now that is robbing peace from you? And you just think about that. Is there something in your life right now that is robbing peace from you? I've got some news for you. You've got to make room in the end. Because that's a piece of you that Jesus is not Lord over at the moment. If he becomes Lord, excuse me, if he becomes Lord, then we have peace in every situation. Amen? Now, that's the word. That's the truth. Sometimes we don't want to hear that truth. Sometimes we don't want that truth applied to our lives. That's because we don't have room. You see, God's going to come inside of us, and he's going to get all of us. 
We don't like him coming into our house. I come to church. I work in the church. I'm the treasurer. I'm the secretary. I'm the Sunday school teacher. I mow the yard. I do all these things. I paint. I do all these things. We do all the stuff. And while I'm in church, the question is, is the church in you? Is Jesus inside of you? You see, the church is not this building. The church is you as a believer. This building burns down. The church don't end. Now, for some, it will end simply because they have no other understanding. Somewhere along the line, they've got a warped teachings happening. This is not the church. This is a building. The church is inside of you, Danny. And as long as Christ is in us, he is going to be working on us. And so, you know, I heard somebody talk the other day and they said, you know, it's just so hard to follow Jesus. And I thought, that's an interesting word. It's so hard to follow Jesus. Whenever my babies were little, Pete used to be real little like this. It didn't matter what I said, that was truth. Because she trusted me. And if the path looked better over here, and I said, no, we don't need to walk over there. There's trouble. Let's walk over here. She would grab my hand and follow me. Okay, Daddy. It didn't seem right maybe to her. Maybe she, or something flashy was over there getting her attention. Okay, Daddy. Sometimes Daddy had to grip that hand a little hard to keep her from getting away because she'd want to still go do that. You see, when we... Let the Lord come inside of us. Sometimes he has to grip our hand a little hard and it hurts. See, the only way that it's hard to follow Jesus and to let the Lord be Lord of our lives is to let go. Right? If it's hard to follow Jesus, then there's a piece of flesh that we don't want to let go. There's no room for him in that part of the end. Amen? This is good teaching, y'all. I know it is. Because this is from heaven. I ain't smart enough to come up with this. There's a part, brother, brother Danny, that he ain't got yet, and he ain't got it. Why? Because you ain't let him in. Brother Rogers, there's a part. You can say amen because I'm going to say, Brother Ken, there's a part. I might be the preacher man, but the preacher man's growing. And any preacher man that ain't still growing, you better steer clear of him. Because he thinks he's a God, or she thinks she's a God. And they'll take you away from truth. It'll sound right, it'll sound good. We're still growing. That means we sometimes have to say, I'm sorry. Amen? What do you think about the innkeeper? Once he heard the story, the Bible doesn't tell us, so it's just speculation. But guess what? Even though he turned them away, God said, I want you. Maybe he got saved. Maybe he did go up to Mary and Joseph and baby Jesus and say, I am so sorry. I didn't know who you was. And I can just picture God saying, that's okay. I love you. Now let's grow from here. Let me have your life. Lord of lords, king of kings. There's no other king that's ever been in this world. Mr. Donald J. Trump's fixing to be the 
so-called king of America, the president of America, he ain't the answer, Jesus is. The last guy that was in, he wasn't the answer, Jesus is. And people have put their faith in men for so long that we're in the shape we're in now. It's called that stinking thinking. It's philosophy slipping in. It's our way of thinking rather than our faith. Because faith will go beyond what you can rationalize every day. Some things are going to come easy and we got faith. Some things are going to come a little harder. That's because the Lord says, hey, I'm knocking on your door and you ain't let me in this door yet. I'm not Lord in there yet. You ain't let me have total control. You see, most people don't want Jesus to come in and have control of our lives. Because he's going to make me uncomfortable. Well, guess what? You ain't all that. It ain't about you. Your life is about him. I told you the other week, we got Facebook and all these crazy things and, and everybody doing selfies all over the place like they mean something. Get my picture right. Come on, folks. Our lives are about the lost world that's out there. Our lives are about Jesus Christ. Our lives are to go where he sends us no matter what and not over-rationalize and tell them the good news. Do not be afraid, Carson. Jesus loves you. The Savior of the world has come, and that's what today is about. If you don't have some peace in your life, this is the crux of it, there's a peace of your life that God ain't ruling. There was no room in that part of the end for him. Amen? Uh Next time you hear that story and you get the Christmas cards, think about that. This is a big mansion. There's a lot of rooms in it. There's a lot of emotions. There's a lot of stuff. There's a lot of things that come in. And Jesus said, if you would just give it to me, if you let me come in and run the show, it's going to be okay. I might have to bend you and mold you a little bit. And it will only hurt if you resist. You remember when you used to get shots when you was little? They used to give shots for everything. We take our kids now, they give them shots that they have so they don't get, you know, the stuff when they was babies. Every time I went to the doctor, I got a shot. I had the chicken pox when I was five years old, home on Christmas break from kindergarten. And my mama gave me a whole bunch of chicken soup and I laid and watched westerns on TV because I'd feel good for a minute, I'd feel bad for a minute. And I had this little cowboy set with covered wagons and stage coasters and horses you hooked up to them and I had Indians and cowboys and some were just standing guys with a gun and some were bow-legged but they were horse riders because they had these little knobs inside their legs that went into the holes on the horses so they didn't fall off. <laughs> and so I would play with them. And then I would feel bad again. It just felt like I couldn't do anything. And Mama would come and just love on me and get me back up on the couch and cover me up, bring me some more chicken soup. And seven up, that was the thing. You drunk seven up. I seven up. That would get your fever down. That would, that, would, that would cure you. Chicken soup and seven up. But it worked. I got better. And time to go back to school. But after that, up until I was about 12 or 13 years old, every Christmas I was sick. I had something they called scarlet fever. I had no idea what it is. Dr. McVeigh, that's what he always said. 
But every time when a sore throat would come and I would feel bad and a rash would hit me and all this stuff, and I'd get weak in the eyes, Mama would say, he's weak in the eyes. I understand what that is by looking at my boy last night. And I'd go to the doctor. And when I was a little fella, I didn't like that shot because that needle looked like it was about that long. But they would tell you, just relax. You know, when you're a baby, you tense up. Well, that means they've got to drive that needle in. And it hurts. I got old enough to realize, hey, they're telling me the truth if you just kind of relax. You feel it, but it ain't near as bad. It's the same thing. Some of the stuff we deal with, some of the things we feel, it's God. It's not the devil. It's God saying, I need some more of you. And the only reason it's hurting is because you're resisting. Amen. Merry Christmas to you all. Thank you all so much for all the cards and the gifts that you've given to us. Pray for us. We're going to pray for you. Let's close us out in a song, will you? And folks, if there's something.